Amen. All right. Go ahead and go to the book of Ephesians tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start off with one verse. So, been hitting on uh, some controversial subjects or unpopular subjects the last couple weeks. And uh, this will probably be the last one I do tonight. And then I'll go back to speaking smooth things to you all. You know, tickle your ears a little bit. No, just kidding. Uh, we're not going to do that. But um, I want to talk about music tonight. Okay, Music is very important. And mostly want to talk about you know music standards. Just like we've been talking about standards the last couple weeks. And once, once again... Music is one of those things. We can't look in the Bible and know exactly what their music sounded like, can we? We don't, I mean, we can see instruments that were used, but who's to say those instruments sound like the ones we do today? I've got a shofar in my office that I guess might be similar to some of their trumpets things they have, but I don't, I don't think they use that for music. It sounds terrible. I think they just use it for warnings and things like that. But um, there are some things that we can learn from Scriptures that can help us have some guidelines, know where we should set standards. And you know, and as a church, I think it's very important that we do that we set a standard somewhere because we don't want to cross lines. We don't want to be a rock and roll church, for sure. We don't want, uh, we don't want rock bands playing in here, head-banging music. There's clearly, you know, there's things that we all know are wrong. Okay, I think most of us in here today... Uh, we know you shouldn't have rock and roll music in church. You know, we shouldn't have groups up here that got their hair all kinds of different colors, you know, guys with long hair, you know, dressed up like some freak shows. I think we all know better than that. But then, you know, what about the more in-between stuff? You know, what about stuff, you know, that's, I don't know. Because here's the thing, when it comes to music, let's just be honest, we all have different opinions, don't we? Everybody in here, you all have. We all have our opinions. We all have the things that we like, the things that we don't like, and how people feel or react to different music. It depends on a lot of things. It depends on, uh, you know, what part of the world you're from. Sometimes, you know, if you're from Scotland, you probably like bagpipe music better than a lot of Americans do. I, I kind of like it, but I don't know that that humming thing that's constantly going in the background. It starts to bother me for after a little bit. And um, a missionary to Scotland gave me a CD of hymns played on the bagpipes. And it's really pretty, but you cannot listen to that CD straight through because it's just it's too hard to listen to bagpipes for that long. You know, if you mix it in with a bunch of other songs, that's fine. But I just I can't sit there and for 45 minutes listen to bagpipes. You know, but maybe people from Scotland can't. You know, and it's it, it depends on where you're from. Um, I don't particularly like real twangy singers that just, I mean, their voices twang like you wouldn't believe. But southern people are going to like that a lot better because that, that not only is that how they sing on there, that's the way they talk down there. But, you know, as much as I wish I was a southerner, try to be a southerner, try to pretend I am a southerner, when I hear people that are just a little too twangy, it's just... It kind of annoys me a little bit. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not my cup of tea. All right, and so uh, you know, it, I want to be careful tonight because I don't want to talk a whole lot about my opinion, even though I probably will share some of my opinions because there are certain guidelines that I even have for myself personally. I guess you could say some rules. Uh, there are certain groups that I won't listen to because of certain things that you know you might 
say, well, that's not necessarily biblical. We don't have to do that. And yet, you don't have to do that, but I do. Okay. For example, uh, I will not listen to a group. If, if the men don't look like men, I'm not going to listen to them. All right? If it's a bunch of, you know, I don't care how clean their music is, if it's a bunch of young, trendy hipsters wearing skinny jeans or something, I'm not listening to their music. I'm, just, I'm not going to. Uh, you can, and I, I can't throw, show Bible to prove that you can't do that. But I'm not going to. And you know, when you listen, to, when I listen to people that are men, and uh, the men act like men, and the ladies sing like ladies, you know, uh, th- that's a rule I have for myself, and it keeps me from a lot of music out there that uh, clearly is wrong. When you have those rules, and but I want to share some things with you. In the scriptures that hopefully will help you out, you know, and so some of the other things that will determine how you feel about music is just your background in music itself. Okay, if you're somebody who has studied music and you know music, maybe you played in a band or an orchestra or something like that. I would think those people would be pretty turned off by all this crazy headbanging rock and roll stuff. I mean, because I don't even think a lot of that's music. Okay, I mean, I mean, rap is rap really music? I mean, that just sounds like a lot of noise and profanity to me. You know, it, it's very stressful when I hear it. I, I wouldn't really call that music, but, you know, that's my opinion. Uh, I think it's safe to say you shouldn't listen to rap music. And we're not going to have Christian rap for sure. But when it comes to church music, a lot of times how we feel about church music depends on what kind of church that you came from. Okay, So, for example, you know, a lot of you know preachers might get up and say, you know, there's just nothing like them old hymns. And you know, I'll agree with that because I've only ever gone to churches that sing the old hymns. And you know, those hymns they just do something, you know, in my spirit, you know, when I hear them. Yeah, me too. But maybe somebody who grew up in a contemporary church that has only ever been around that, could that music do the same thing for them? I don't know, maybe. It's possible. You know, so I want us to be careful going into opinion territory and try to show you some things that are clear from the scriptures that I think will help us give us, you know, something to measure up. And in Ephesians chapter five, verse nineteen, a well known passage of scripture, it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Music clearly is something that is appropriate, something that God wants us to use. He wants us to have a song in our heart. He wants us to be making melody in our heart. You can't look at the book of Psalms and think God is against music. There are churches, the many Church of Christ church, for example, they do not believe in having musical instruments. Well, I don't know how you read the book of Psalms and think that God's against musical instruments. He's clearly for musical instruments. There's many references to singing in the Bible. I mean, it is very, it is something that's very important. It helps get us thinking about God. I think, and one of the great things about church, coming to church, is we all sing these songs together. And when you're around certain songs, many times I'll find myself singing those songs throughout the week. If somebody sings a special, many times I'll find myself singing that song throughout the week. It puts that song in your head and it gets in your heart and it causes us to think about the Lord. More sometimes even more than the preaching does. We will well people will remember songs better than they remember preaching, and so um, you know I I definitely believe there's no doubt about it that music 
is something that should be used in church, something that we ought to take advantage of, but we want to make sure we use it right. And so it is, it's possible somebody though, you know, maybe they grow, they grow up in a CCM church or a Southern Gospel church, you know, they might respond to music the same way that we do to hymns. You know, it, it's possible, you know, somebody who grew up around Southern music might respond the same way we do to the Northern music where that music maybe bothers us a little bit. We might feel it's inappropriate. They don't feel that way at all. But you know, one thing I do know for sure is that when it comes to music, we do have to draw a line somewhere. We have to do that. I mean, just go to a Christian bookstore and just look at the CDs that are being sold there. And just look at some of these groups. And I'll tell you, if you, if you didn't read the titles of these, you could put them right next to some of these you know, rock and roll groups that are at Walmart and you wouldn't be able to tell which one's a Christian. You would not be able to tell at all. And we've, we can't go that way. We do not want to get out of line there. So you know, where should we as a church or as, even as individual Christians, where do we draw a line? How do we set a standard when it comes to music? Okay, and so, first thing we need to remember, when it comes to our music, okay, and especially in church, I do think that, I don't think music is something that God gave exclusively for church. Okay, for example, there is, you know, there is some fun music, okay? I mean, I like the Superman theme song and, you know, Indiana Jones and stuff like that. You know, it, it kind of gets you excited, and I don't think that would be good church music. But I don't know. It's fun if you're there's you know circus music. You know if you're on a ride or you're at a fair or something. You know you hear that clown music. You know, if a clown comes out and is doing juggling and stuff, playing Amazing Grace with that's just not going to work. Okay. But you know playing the Entertainer or one of those uh, circusy songs that would work great. And I think that is appropriate. But we're not going to do that in church. Okay. But. When it comes to church, okay, especially in church, our music here, we are supposed to please God in the presence of the lost, and we're not supposed to be pleasing the lost in the presence of God. And this is what's making music go completely south in churches today, is lost people don't like our music. Did you all know that? Lost people don't really care that much for the hymns. They're not that interested in the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, the Bible says singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Do you realize that most songs today don't have a melody? It's all rhythm. It's all beat. It's all yelling and screaming. I mean, you, you can't pick out a melody from these songs. And if you ask me, that's not real music. The Bible says singing and making melody in your heart, not making rhythm in your heart. Okay, And rhythm is you know, the primary part of most uh, so-called music today. But look at what 2 Samuel chapter 22 Verse 50 says, because it is. Most music today, people are not thinking about God. They're thinking about the lost that are in their church. They're thinking about pleasing people. And 2 Samuel 22.50 says, Therefore, I will give thanks unto, the Lord, unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. Notice, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to praise the Lord, and I'm going to do it among the heathen. In front of the heathen, we're going to do that. When it comes to our music, it is meant to praise and glorify God. And it, we are supposed to do that in front of the heathen. When we have a special service and we have lost people come here, we do not need to change our music on those big days to make sure we please them. We're not going to have a rock concert here so we can get lost people in. We're not honoring God that way. We're supposed to honor God. We're supposed to praise God. We're supposed to do it in front of the heathen. 
And if we don't think God is praised by rock and roll music, you know, amongst ourselves, then why would that be? You know, why would God be pleased, or why would we? How would that be praise when there's lost people around? So it's going. There are things in the church that are going to be foreign to lost people. Most of the preaching that goes on, preaching in church today, it's supposed to be geared towards the church, okay? The assembly, save people. But most churches today are gearing everything towards the lost, and you can't do that. We are supposed to do what we do, and we do it in front of the heathen. If we're and they're not going to like it, okay? They're not going to like, it, but we're going to do it in front of the heathen. Look at First Chronicles chapter sixteen. Verse 24, in fact, on purpose, we are supposed to glorify God in front of the heathen. It says, 1 Chronicles 16.24, "...declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in His presence. Strength and gladness are in His place." Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Did you all see that? All these things that we do, this you know, bringing an offering before Him, coming to Him in the beauty of holiness. I mean, is there anything beautiful just about somebody going crazy on the drums? You know why is it that drummers and bands always look like they're you know doped out on something? You know because they usually are. <laughs> I mean, and you know, there's no beauty in that. There's no holiness in that. You know why do why is it that rock and roll groups always have to dress up like a bunch of freaks? Why can't they wear suits and ties? It, it just doesn't work with that type of music. And so it's like okay, if that if music was amoral, okay. There's, some, there's people that have told me that, you know, music is not, the, what makes music good or bad is the words. I've had people here in town tell me that. I believe that's completely foolish. And if that were true, then why is it that you will never find a Christian rock band singing dressed like this? Why do they have to dress like a bunch of hipsters? Why do they have to do that? Why, why is that? Because there, there's music and morality, they, they do, they just walk hand in hand. They go together, and you, you're just not going to see a Christian rock group dressed like this. It's not going to happen. And if you ever do, let me know. That's going to look really weird. I'd kind of like to see it. But, you know, clothing does affect your behavior. Okay? You know, dress a little girl up like a princess, and she's going to act like a princess. Okay? You know, dress her up like a boy, she's going to act like a boy. Be wild. And, stuff. I mean, you know, just, I mean, the uh, music. Or clothing affects behavior, and the behavior that goes on in this music, you can't dress in a Christian way, and it works. It's just the way it is. But God wants us to do these things in the beauty of holiness, and He wants us to do it among the heathen. He wants us to do it in front of the heathen. We are praising Him, and God is not glorified when we're taking the world's music, the world's styles, the world's dress, everything from the world, and then just changing it into God's name. There's no different. There's no distinction. God is not glorified by that one bit. There is no holiness in that. And once again, like I talked about last week, Christians are the only people that don't get that you know music 
there is morality to music. Okay, the rock and roll people, they they know it. They know that their actual music, that their beats are sensual. They know that. They shoot for that. They will be insulted if you try to tell them it's not. They know that Christian people are the only people that don't get it. And it's because they're just they're hiding their eyes or plugging their ears to the truth. Christian people, liberal Christians are the only ones that don't get this. You go talk to lost people and they completely understand it. I've had lost people, guys who play in rock bands, that when I have criticized their music, I one time, you know, I asked a rocker, you know, why is it that rock and roll people are always on drugs? <laughs> you know, and and then he just got mad and started going off on Christian rock bands and basically saying we're hypocrites because we have Christian rock. I'm like, I don't have Christian rock. I said, I think that's just as much trash as <laughs> regular rock. I had a lady at work just the other day did that. I said something against the rock, the music that was playing at work. She said, "Well, what about Christian rock? What about Christian rock? It's trash too." You know, they get it. Christians don't get it. They understand that it's the same thing. Christians don't, and we ought to be smart on that. We are supposed to worship God in the beauty of holiness, and we do it among the heathen. And the more lost people we have around, boy, the greater opportunity it is to praise God. Give Him the glory. Do it in His name. Notice our God is different than all the other gods. You know, For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Our God is supreme. Our God is superior. Our God is different than their gods. Therefore, our music is going to be different than their music. Okay? They're not going... If they're worshiping other gods, serving other gods, they're not going to like the music about our gods. Our God. Sorry, I, didn't, I said plural, didn't I? Our God. They're not going to like that and so we've got to make sure, though, that we don't change things. Okay, our God is a God to be feared. It says in there, our God is to be feared. And so we are not helping them by making our God like to the, like their God. See, their God that they're serving is the God of the flesh, and that's why their music is geared toward the flesh and pleasing the flesh. Okay, our God is spirit, and therefore our music is going to appeal to the spirit. And it's going to glorify God and they're not going to get it. They're spiritually dead. It's going to mean nothing to them. When we sing songs like Amazing Grace to lost people, it should not move them. Okay, If our songs really are spiritual songs, like it says in Ephesians we're supposed to sing, it's going to do nothing for lost people. And, oh well. Now, if they get saved, I believe it will start taking hold. I believe they'll start... you know getting the message and it'll start doing something to them too. But when they're lost, our music is not going to do anything for lost people. We're not going to try to make it. Our music is supposed to be pointed at God, not the audience. We're not going to go and read all these different Scriptures about praising God like we see in Psalms. But the music, when music was used to praise God. Our music in church, we're trying to praise God. Our songs that we sing are supposed to be pointed at God. We're worshiping Him. Okay? We're worshiping God. It's our music is pointed at Him, not the audience. But where is most music today pointed at? It's pointed at the audience. Okay. And that's one of the reasons too. I was going to say if you're going to make it in the music industry, you know, a lot of times attractive people do better. But that is not the case in rock and roll music, is it? <laughs> because they got some ugly, ugly people that uh, that do it there. But uh, you know, in, let's say country music. Okay, it usually helps quite a bit if the person is attractive. Why? They're trying to please the audience 
And everybody would rather look at a good-looking person sing than an ugly person. Okay, But you know what? When it comes to praising God, if, a per- if our music is right, if the per- if the person is if their music is pointed at God, all right, and if the audience that's out there is believes the music should be pointed to God, they're not going to worry about whether the person's ugly or not. They're going to be worrying. Hey, is this music honoring and glorifying God? Is this praising God? And that's what our music is about. It's supposed to be pointed at God, not the audience. And I'm telling you, the reason people are changing their music in churches is because the world doesn't like it. And they're trying to please the audience. Well, how does the, how does the congregation responding to this music? Well, they're just sitting there like a bump on a log. We you know we want them to get up and to move around and to dance. Why? <laughs> Why? You know, they don't they don't need to do that. Well, it's more fun. Oh, so we're trying to help them have fun, or are we trying to praise God? Once again, see they're trying to. How can we move the audience? How can we affect the audience? What pleases the people? That is not what music is about in church. It's about pleasing God. It's about praising God, not the audience. We should praise Him with the beauty of holiness. Like it says, I mean, when we, if we have somebody sing a special, they ought to be dressed appropriately. They ought to be dressed in a way that honors and glorifies God. They shouldn't be up here not covered adequately. Dressing in a sensual way. Okay, that's what the world does. You know, why is it they're singers? You know, especially, you know, the ladies. Why is it that they have to wear so little? Because they're trying to appeal to the flesh of the audience. They're trying to get the guys excited. Why would we do that in church? Why would, you know, one of our young ladies get up here, why would we let one of our young ladies get up here in church and sing a song dressed like Taylor Swift? Or, or Carrie Underwood. She's supposed to be a Christian. She played on a Christian movie or something. And you know, she's, she's a terrible Christian. Her music's terrible. Okay? It, her music's sensual. She dresses sensual. And we should not copy off what she does. If her career starts to tank, and eventually it will, she'll probably put out a Christian album. That's what they all do. And you know what? We should not, our young ladies should not get one of those albums, learn those songs, and sing it in church. And they will. If your daughter's listening to that, that's, they're going to sing like that. They're going to want to dress like that. They're going to do the song the way she does. And that's not appropriate. Okay, Her type of music it is geared toward the flesh, the things of the world. And the reason they're so successful is because they are. They are giving the audience what they want. Their music is geared toward the audience. Christian music doesn't do as well. You know Why? Because, one, we're a small minority and our music, it, it doesn't appeal to the flesh. It's not supposed to anyway. It appeals to the Spirit. And you know what? There's not a big market for that today, is there? We, and our society loves entertainment. But you know, we need to ask ourselves questions about the music we listen to. You know, do, do the groups we listen to honor God with their appearance? I'm telling you right now, if you will judge these groups based on their appearance. Okay, and I'm not talking about whether they're good looking or ugly. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the way they dress. If if you can, can you look at that group and tell they're Christian just by looking at the album cover? Or do they look just like the worldly groups? There could be some groups out there. It's possible. You might be able to find an album out there where the people look like a bunch of freaks and their music is completely appropriate. It's possible. 
I doubt it, but I'm sure it's possible. There's always exceptions out there. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you just pick groups that look like Christian people, you're going to... I mean, that's going to help you out so much. You're going to narrow things down. You're not going to. You're going to be missing out on a lot of nasty music. You know, do the groups that you listen to do they honor God with their actions? What kind of testimonies do these people have? You know, I'm horrified. You know, Southern gospel um, is very accepted in a lot of Baptist churches, and there are a lot of groups that in Southern gospel that have people in them that just have terrible testimonies. I mean, just awful testimonies. A lot of them, too. I mean, these people are from different religions and things. They're not. They're not even fundamental Baptists. But yet, fundamental Baptists they like their music, and so they'll have these groups come and sing in their church and stuff. I mean, you've got guys like Guy Penrod. Okay, we all know the Bible says it's shame for a man to have long hair, and this guy's got that long curly hair, and yeah, he's a really good singer. And I mean, and his music is completely accepted. Amongst a lot of Christian people, I'm not. I don't listen to his music. You know why? Because he's got hair like a woman, and I'm ashamed of that. It's a shame for a man to have long hair. He might not be embarrassed by it, but I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for him. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna listen to him. You know, and I don't want to talk about the moral problems of a lot of these people, but they are. I, I, I'm not gonna listen to those people. If they can't control their actions, uh, I'm not gonna. I don't need to listen to them. I don't need them ministering to me in a spiritual way. Just like, you know, we wouldn't, you all would think it was inappropriate if I had a pa- another pastor come here, another preacher come here and preach, one who had moral problems. You all would have a problem with that. But a lot, a lot of those same churches that wouldn't have a preacher like that, and they'll have a singer come in that's run around on his wife and done all kinds of wickedness, and, oh, that's, that's appropriate. He's just singing. But yes, people get ministered to through singing too. There's preaching and a lot of singing, isn't there? And I think we ought to have higher standards than that. You know, do the groups that you listen to, do they honor God with their associations? See, now this is, this is huge because this is where sometimes those of us that are strict when it comes to music, we end up getting ourselves in, you know, or, I don't know, start looking like maybe we're being two-faced about things. But look at what Romans 16, verse 17 says. Because a lot of music that we reject that preachers preach against, it's not that we have found some you know, uh, reason based off of music theory that their music is bad. It's the, what this music is associated with that's bad. It's the groups that are promoting these music, this music that we have a problem with. And you say, well, no, that shouldn't matter. No, it, it does matter. It does matter where things come from. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good works and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. you all see that? There are people that cause divisions in churches. They do it because they're serving their own belly. In other words, they're serving the flesh. They're doing what they want to do. And you see that a lot with music. There are groups out there that are causing division in church. There are a lot of groups out there, maybe you know, big-name preachers and stuff, big-name churches, that are allowing worldly type music in, and these churches too are 
leading other churches astray. And so people like me, I don't want to be associated with that kind of church. I don't want to use the and I'm not going to use the kind of music that they use. I'm going to mark those people. I'm going to say, hey, y'all see what this church is teaching. Y'all see which way this church is going. Okay, we're not supposed to be doing that. We're not going to do things the way they do. They are now promoting this type of music, but you know what? We're going to reject that type of music, and we're going to avoid running with those groups. Now, people might not like that, but I do think that's appropriate. They are serving their own belly. They're causing divisions. You know, they're doing it by fair speech. And let me tell you something about singers too. Singers, for some reason, and I'm not saying this because I'm jealous, but man, they are they're worshipped a lot of times. I mean, I know people personally that they're practically groupies of some of these southern gospel groups. I mean, if they are anywhere within two hours, they will go and drive long distance to listen to their concerts. They will follow them around. They will plan their vacations, you know, depending on where these people are going to be doing concerts and things, to go listen to these people sing the same songs over and over again. And it's like, and, and these people too, they're weird. And it's like, you know what? If you're, Maybe I'm just saying this because I'm a preacher. I'm not looking for groupies, okay? I would be bothered if people were following me around like that. But it's like, you know, I would rather follow a preacher around. You know, there's preachers that I'll go drive some distance to go listen to because, you know, man, I think preaching is better than singing. And most of these guys, too, when they preach, there's, you know, they, you'll hear them preach different things, they've got some variety. These people, they've got a CD that they've listened to a thousand times of these people singing a song, and they'll go drive two hours listening to them sing the same songs. And it's like, why? And when it comes to music and people that like these groups, if you say anything against their music, they'll fight you. I'm telling you, man, they will fight you. You can bash their pastor if you want. Your pastor, he's not that good of a preacher. Yeah, well, yeah, he tries. You know, but then you say, "Yeah, that group you listen to, I don't think they're very good." What? <laughs> I don't think their music's very Christian. What? <laughs> you know, I mean, they'll go nuts on you. And people, I mean, they they've left churches because the preacher said something against one of their music groups. It's crazy the way these people are. And you know what? Why are Christians like that? Because now I know the world's like that. You know, all these rock groups and stuff, they've all got the groupies that follow them around and the people that just go ape over them and worship them. You know, but why are Christians doing that? Over singers. You know, a lot of these singers too, that go around, they act all spiritual. They all tell their same testimonies and tell their same stories over and over again. I mean, they've got them down. They know how to get the people all emotional while they're giving it, walking around, giving their testimony. They got the piano player in the background, you know, playing the music. I mean, getting the people all stirred up and all worked up. And man, these people aren't these people spiritual? Aren't they just full of the spirit of God? But you know, you you never see these guys when they're going singing at different churches out soul winning. I mean, when was the last time these people led anyone to the Lord? They're not doing any of that stuff. I mean, good night. I'm I'm just going to say it right now. Most of these professional singers are losers. Okay? They're just complete losers. And people, they get sucked up into that and start following around. You're an even bigger loser, okay? It's time to get a life, folks. Okay? I, I mean, if you got singers and stuff that you like, that's fine. But man, I hope you don't spend a lot of your life and your vacations following these people around. 
get get a life, people. Good night. But anyway, it it happens, and these people are very very influential. And you know what? Some of these people are people that should be marked. People we should be saying, avoid these people. They are promoting things that are not right. And a lot of these groups too, you know, that people are listening to, they will sing anywhere. Okay? You know, there's a reason that worldly entertainers will sing Christian songs. Okay? We've all seen it when their when their career starts tanking, they start you know, they go to Christian. It usually works. But there's a reason they will sing Christian songs. And it's the same reason Christian groups will sing worldly songs. Entertainers entertain. That's what they do. They want an audience. It is, it's, if you offer them money, they will do whatever you want. And Christians always get, Christians always get fooled into thinking actors are Christians just because they play in a Christian movie. I mean, it's ridiculous. Christians just go nuts over some of these actors because they played on a Christian movie. And it's like these people are just as lost as all get out. You know, Kevin Sorbo was on God's Not Dead or whatever. But that guy, he's still playing on trashy movies too. Still. But oh, no, is he a Christian? He plays on Christian movies sometimes. No, he's playing on Christian movies because his career's tanking. He's not that famous anymore. He's just trying to make some money. You know, it's, and it's sad, it's pathetic. But Christians fall for that. They want to entertain. When we were in Branson, it was one of the funniest things. We, uh, we had some time to kill and we saw this mall. And it was funny. It said on the mall, it said, you know, shop, dine, experience. And I was just kind of joking. I was like, oh, let's go have an experience in this mall. And I was like, it's a mall. What kind of experience are you going to have? Well, we had an experience in this mall. We go into this mall. And before I went in there, there's this young guy out there, and he is all decked out in one of these shiny suits like the you know singers wear at these concerts and things in places like Branson. I mean, he's all decked out like he's just, I don't know, some famous singer. And we go walking in, and we go walking in there, and like everything in this mall is closed except for like one store. There was like one place you can go get some coffee. We were oh, maybe get something to eat in there. And like everything is closed in there, and there was this section there in the middle where these people would go and perform and they had like, you know, 15, 20 people listening to them. And then there's this lady sitting there and we're like, where is everything? You know, I was like, oh, and she's like, starts telling us what's in the mall. It took her about three seconds because there's nothing in the mall. But there were these people, they were all, these were like the losers of Branson that can't make it into any of the big things. And they all go there and perform, hoping to be discovered. And it was hilarious. The guy that was singing was hilarious. He was terrible. That kid that was all dressed all fancy. I mean, you could tell by looking at him, he was going to stink. The lady that was getting ready to go up there. I mean, it was, it was one of the funniest things you ever saw. These people, too, I'm telling you, if the devil would have showed up and said, here, i got a contract. You sign this and I'll, you know, I'll make you a big shot. All you got to do is give me your soul. They'd have done it in a heartbeat. I mean, and that's how entertainers just want to entertain. And Christian groups, you know, even supposed Baptist singers, they they will not sing just in Baptist churches. They've got to perform. They've got to make that money. And they will sing for whoever invites them. And they end up compromising all the time. Because there's not a lot of money in the right kind of music. Once again, music that appeals to the spirit instead of the flesh, there's not a big market for it. So, uh, you know, just don't fall for these entertainers. You know, do the groups that you listen to, do they honor God with their message? Okay, James chapter 3 and verse 8. 
says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the multitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Okay? And the country singers again. Okay? A lot of these country singers sing Christian songs. And Christian people think these, think they're wonderful because they sing two Christian songs. But then the, for every Christian song they sing, they sing another song about committing adultery. They sing another song about fornication. And you're gonna you're gonna accept that? You're going to idolize somebody like that? You're gonna promote that kind of person to your children and let them listen to their garbage? That should not be. Are these people honoring God with their message? Okay. You know, if I'm I have a burden for lost people, okay? I do. If I get it when I I love getting an opportunity to preach the gospel to new people. And if I am in, let's say, a Methodist church. I'm going to want to find a way to give these people the gospel, but chances are, if I do, I'm going to get thrown out of that place. And you know, why is it that these groups too? They will go and sing for whatever denomination, sing for whatever religion, and they don't get thrown out. You know why? Because you know they they know what they can get away with talking about. You know, you can talk about Jesus in the Methodist church, but you know, be careful. You know, you're definitely not going to want to bring up baptism. You know, you're not going to want to talk about how baptism doesn't save you. And, you know, there's a lot of things you're not going to be able to bring up. They, they don't care. They know what they can say, what they can't say. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I had the opportunity to preach in a church of another denomination, I'd do it. But I would be courteous enough to warn them first. You know, like, hey, if I, if the Catholic Church asked me to go preach over there, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to be nice enough to let the priest know I'm preaching the gospel, and it's going to contradict quite a bit of what you preach. And I'm sure he's not going to let me. And I'm sure it would be the only time I'd ever get to do it. I would not get invited back. But these people get invited back every year at some of these places. You know why? It's because. Maybe not. Maybe they're not sugarcoating the message, but boy, they're leaving a lot of the message out. And then they act like they're what they're doing is a ministry. They act like what they're doing is promoting Jesus Christ and promoting the gospel. No, it's not. They're promoting themselves, and that's wrong. Our music is not. We're not supposed to, especially use Christian music to do that. If they want to go make money singing circus music and things like that, they can go ahead and do that. But stop doing it with Christian music. That's just not appropriate. Our message should not corrupt. The message of God's word. We're not glorifying God when we change His word, are we? Okay, we all are down on you know the wrong Bible versions. People messing with God's word that way. But when anybody messes with God's word, they're basically saying they know better than God, aren't they? Anybody that tries to change God's word are saying they know better than God. Brother Pete this morning was showing me there is a Queen James Bible out there. We're trying to figure out if this was something that's trying to be in your face to Christianity or if they're serious. And it looked like they're trying to be serious. And what they do in the Queen James Bible, they take out all the stuff that to make the Bible not so homophobic. 
all the things that are in the Bible that could cause us to be against homosexuality, they fix all that so we don't take it the wrong way. I'm telling you, I, I, I was back on I mean, I know we're not supposed to do this, but I'm having a hard time not wishing some lightning bolts to start striking when I see something like that. I mean, that is as wicked as all get out. We've got no business doing that, but yet people, they'll sing songs just because they like the tune, just because it's entertaining, that don't even line up with Scripture. That completely contradict the Scripture. When a song perverts the message of God, it is in fact an evil song. In 1 Kings chapter 13, we see the story of the man, uh, the, the prophet that went and he lied to the younger prophet. He said, hey, God told me, or an angel came to me and told me to come to you and come eat in my house. But the Bible says he lied to him. And that ended up getting that man killed. In Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19, we see what God thinks about those who add to and take away from the Scriptures. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Hey, did God tell you you can't eat of that tree? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Satan started out changing God's Word. Perverting the message of God. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You're not going to die. Now, he was kind of telling parts. Did he fall over dead when she ate that fruit? No. Did she die spiritually though? Yes. And she eventually died physically too, didn't she? But she didn't right then. He's just, hey, God knows that when you eat it, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil like Him. You'll know. Was He telling the truth there? Yeah, you'll know good and evil. He was kind of telling, just perverting the message. And you know how many false doctrines are in churches today and coming into church today, and a lot of it is being brought in through the music. A lot of the songs about the rapture and end times and things. A lot of the false ideas people have about that are based off of songs. When you try to show them what the scripture says, they will quote. I've had people quote lines and songs to me. That's not in the Bible, folks. Yeah, but it's in that song. We've sung it a million times in church. Okay, I mean it's in our own hymn book. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. Well, okay, the verse where it says, "And the dead in Christ shall rise." Then we which are alive remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds. Oh, that, you know, you're being picky. That's pretty different, isn't it? And you know, because we've left the clouds out of a lot of these songs, because we've made it a bright day in songs, most people don't associate the coming of Christ with the sun being darkened and moon turned to blood like the Bible says. And the heavens departing as a scroll. Like it says in Revelation 6, most people don't get that because we're all singing about a bright and cloudless morning. We're all picturing a bright day, bright sunny day when Jesus Christ returns. No, it's not going to be a day like that. But people think that because of songs. Not what the Bible says. A lot of songs now, most college groups, are, most of the Baptist college groups are singing songs. I don't even think they realize. I didn't even realize it at first. That are promoting dispensational salvation. I mean, I we one day we were practicing a song. I've heard the song a million times, and we I like let's sing the song in church. And we're practicing the song, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is promoting dispensational salvation. 
I was like, we're not singing that. I know, uh, there's one song. first time I heard it, I, I thought, oh man, I love this song. This is a great song. It's a song called I Can Go In. And it's basically promoting dispensational salvation. And I don't know how many times I heard that song before I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And you know how many Baptist people are starting to believe in dispensational salvation? And I'm going to tell you right now, they didn't get it from the Bible. They're getting it. A lot of them are getting it from these songs. That's how we end up accepting these things is through songs. And the world's been using this method for years to promote things. They use they use songs. It's, they stick in our head. They you know they cause us to think certain ways. And a lot of false doctrine is coming into churches through songs. And you shouldn't listen to music that's promoting false doctrine. We can go on and on with examples of songs. And I said, I, I try to watch it. I try to be careful because I have. I've caught myself singing songs that were not biblical. And you know this, the one song we were going to sing the one day is called "By the Way of the Cross." You ever that? I've come by the way of the cross. Well, that's true. We've come by the way of the cross. But the song, when you listen to the words of the song, is basically teaching like the thief was the first one that got into heaven by the way of the cross. No, everybody got into heaven by the way of the cross. Even people in the Old Testament, they wouldn't have gotten to heaven had it not been for the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just, and it's like, why did it take me so long? We just assume if we hear in a song sung in a Baptist church by a Baptist group that it's doctrinally accurate sometimes. Sometimes it's not. And I don't know where a lot of these songs come from, but you do. You start researching where these songs come from, it's like, well, no wonder the doctrine's messed up. And we've got to be careful with that. We've got to watch it. Uh, you know, Just like a human author doesn't like someone messing with their book, God doesn't like it even more. We are not allowed to pervert the message of God. We're not allowed to get up and sing a song that goes against the message of the Bible. It goes against what the Bible teaches. We are not allowed to do that. God is not going to be pleased with that. See, and authors say, book authors, they're bought off all the time by the movie makers, okay? I mean, how many has ever read a book before and then you watch the movie and it's like, this movie is nothing like a book? And it always makes you mad. And a lot of times it makes the authors mad too, but they get over it because they get millions of dollars from these movies. And a lot of times they end up selling more books because of the movie. And but the truth is, you know, and what what do we call that when a movie maker changes the story? What do they call that? Artistic license, right? Well, you know what? God doesn't give artistic license. I don't care if you're a music writer, you don't get artistic license to change the message of the Word of God. I don't care if you're a movie maker, you don't get artistic license to change the story of God's Word. I saw a Bible movie about Sodom and Gomorrah, and the angels, they didn't smite the men of Sodom with blindness. They had like this Chinese samurai angel break out his swords and kill these guys with a fancy sword fight. Are you serious? And people were telling me how biblically accurate these were. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, the Moses movie was just horrible. Absolutely horrible. I don't even want to start talking about that. I had somebody tell me that it was very biblically accurate. He hadn't seen it, but his assistant pastor told him that the movie was very biblically accurate. I said, did you watch that movie? He said, no. I said, it's not biblically accurate. It's not even close I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, but God doesn't allow that. And it is important to make sure our doctrine is accurate in our songs because people learn and remember songs faster and better than they remember Scriptures. 
And it is. that's how they're getting things to stick in people's minds. That's why people, they don't understand certain doctrines, right? Because they've got a line of a song running through their head. And, and it, it messes them up. And they don't have a Scripture running through their head. They have a line of a song. But our music, and I'm running out of time. I wanted to spend more time on this one. But it should be different from the world's. I said last week, some things are wrong just because of who it is associated with. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, Jesus said, But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do. For they think they should be heard for their much speaking. Now, where in the Old Testament did it say not to use vain repetition? It was never taught in the Old Testament law not to use vain repetition. I mean, what's wrong with repeating a prayer over and over again? Well, what's wrong with it is that's the kind of thing the heathens would do. They would chant these prayers. They would say them over and over again. Kind of like the pagans do today with the Our Fathers and the Hail Marys. Yeah, I call them pagans. That's what they are. The heathen, they chant these prayers over and over again. That's what the heathen do. We don't do things like the heathen. Don't copy their ways. Don't pray the way that they pray. Some things are wrong because of who does it. In verse 31 and verse 33 of Matthew, you know, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And Gentiles and heathen are two words that are... I mean, they go right together. That's what the heathen do. That's what the Gentiles do. They worry about those things. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Okay? The heathen worry. They're worry warts. We don't need to do that. We don't need to act like the heathens. We shouldn't have the same problems that the heathens do. We shouldn't get our methods from the heathen. Okay? Who's dreaming up a lot of this stuff in music today? It's heathen. I mean, you study the history of music just in America, and a lot of the music in America, it came, it was inspired by groups that came over from African, you know, from places in Africa and places where they practiced voodoo and things, and it influenced their music and it started influencing, you know, the American people's music. I mean, I have just, if you study the history of these things, it is very clear how heathen nations influenced American music. I mean, look at what the Beatles did to American music. Okay? You know, England's always been ahead of us in falling down the hill, haven't they? They've always been ahead of us. And look how they've influenced these things. And there's a lot of other groups that are out there now that are they are they're more wicked than the American groups, and the American groups are picking up on that stuff and following after them. We are we're we're just following England right down the hill. You want to know where America's gonna be you know, a few years from now, just look at England. We're falling right after we're catching up to them. I used to say 50 years from now, but I think it's even closer. And that's pretty sad. But a believer following the methods of a heathen, it's a very slippery soap. Look at what Second Kings chapter 7, uh, 17, verse 7 says, For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things which were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in their cities from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places as they did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them. 
and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols whereof the Lord had said unto them, You shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep My commandments and My statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers which I and which I sent to you by My servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God, and they rejected His statutes and His covenant that He made with their fathers and His testimonies which He testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. You all see how they followed them? And notice that it started in secret. They started in secret. Then it became public. They moved these things to the high places. God ends up rebuking them and they got defiant. They hardened their neck and then they just went into all-out rebellion. And I've seen that many times. When these people compromise, a lot of times other preachers will come along and they'll call these people out. And they don't humble themselves. They don't get right. You know what they do? They harden their neck. And then it's like they double down. Oh, well, I'll show them. You know, these guys that, you know, these preachers that are, you know, changing, like even how they dress, you know, losing the suit and ties and things. A lot of preachers get on to them for that. Oh, I'll show them. I'll preach in skinny jeans. Let's see what they think about that. That's exactly what these people are doing. They're just rebellion and going into rebellion. They're being defiant. And notice how many of the things in there, we don't, didn't have time to point them all out, where there were some specific things that they did that violated the law of God. You know, they made molten images, okay? Clearly against the scriptures, but a lot of what they were doing wrong, God was just saying they were doing like the heathens. They were acting like the heathens. They were doing, they were just doing the things that heathens do. There's all kinds of things that you can do that there aren't specific verses in the Bible that says you can't do that. Okay? However, we are not supposed to follow the ways of the heathen. The Bible says, learn not the way of the heathen. And so, if there's a practice that comes along that was started by lost people, by worldly people, by the heathen, we are not going to adopt that. We are not going to accept that. We are going to reject that. And I'm telling you, most... Music that's out there today and and that's coming into churches today, it's music that came from heathens. It came from lost people. And we are going to reject it just because of who it's associated with. We will reject it if it's associated with the heathen. We'll reject it if it's associated with just liberal churches. Churches that are compromising. Churches that are going soft on their stand in the Bible, if that's the stuff they're using, we're not going to use that. I want us to use music that associates us with the type of church that preaches the truth of the Word of God, that preaches from a King James Bible, that preaches on standards and soul winning and separation. That's the type of thing that we want here. And listen, the devil, he's not in the business so much of getting Christians to set up idols today. The devil knows that an idol is nothing. And the truth is, he's doing a greater abomination if he can get believers to defile the very temple where God dwells. And what is that temple, folks? It's not in Jerusalem. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the living God. And listen, we become accustomed to the music that we're around the most. And if you surround yourself 
with worldly music and th- music of the flesh, that's what you're going to like. That's what you're going to want. But if you surround yourself with godly music, you'll start liking it. And it'll start meaning something to you if you feed that spirit. And so I hope you'll do that when it comes to your music. Look at who's putting it out. Look at where it's coming from. And yeah, I can't show you a verse in the Bible that maybe proves that rap music is bad. Okay? But you know what? I don't all you have to do is look at who's putting it out. You know, look at what it's associated with. I mean, and it's very clear, yeah, we don't we don't need that. We shouldn't be following that type of thing. It only takes a little bit of common sense. And a lot of people are going to reject it. They don't want to hear it. But understand, like that verse we read where it says they are serving their own belly. I understand how some of this stuff appeals to the flesh. I I get that. But boy, when you decide that you know what, I want that in church. When our music is supposed to be pointed at Christ and praising Him and worshiping Him and we're pointing at the audience, that is completely out of line. It's completely inappropriate. And you know what? We're not going to do that here. And we've had people that came here and they've talked about our boring hymns that their grandma used to sing. And let me tell you, I didn't care. I had a guy tell me, these songs are old. My grandma sang these songs. I, what do you think about the Bible? It's really old. <laughs> and... You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna stick to it, and but folks are gonna the heathens gonna have to like it, or they can get out and go to their rock concert. And so, with that, let's all stand together.